You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning. My name is Reese Kia Aina, and I want to welcome you, our friends and family, to the Metro LA region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. Happy 4th of July. I hope you get some great fellowship in today. Perhaps enjoy a barbecue as things are opening up in our world. Spend some time with family and enjoy the freedoms that we have. You know, 4th of July was the day the Declaration of Independence was signed and it signified the birth of the United States of America as an independent free nation from Great Britain. The Declaration of Independence is our founding document and perhaps one of the most important documents ever written in American history. It gave rise to the Bill of Rights and the Constitution that gives Americans so many freedoms, like freedom of speech, of the press, assembly. You know, we get to, we can assemble in, in worship services because we have freedoms to do so. Freedom, uh, you know, right to a fair and speedy trial. Uh, I hope we can take some time today to pause and remember the sacrifices of those before us so that we as Americans can live free. Spiritually speaking, there is one act, one event that is perhaps the most important in history that gives you and I as Christians a freedom like no other, and that is the cross of Christ. And yet there is nothing free about our freedom. It costs God his son. It cost Jesus his life. Because of Jesus' death, we as Christians are free from the power uh, and grip of Satan and sin that enslaves us. Free from death. We no longer have to worry about death because, you know, death as a Christian is just the beginning of, uh, of a new life. You know, not only spiritually speaking, but even after we die, we have the hope of eternal life one day. We're free to enjoy second chances in life through repentance, free to discover our true selves, free to discover all the gifts that God has given each of us, and the list goes on and on. This morning, I want to look at why we're free in Christ, and what are we doing with the freedom that we do have in Christ. And so my lesson this morning is entitled, Free in Christ. And again, I want to wish everyone uh, a happy 4th of July. I hope you'll get some great time after worship today to spend time with family and just just uh, be so encouraged and, and remember all the freedoms that we do have. So let's begin our lesson with a prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We look forward to our Bible study this morning. Thank you that we, that, that you know, as disciples and as uh, citizens of the United States, that we can live free. And as we've seen over the last year, many, many years, actually, uh, not everyone experiences that for certain freedoms. And we pray that we can do our best to be disciples that, that look to Jesus and how we're supposed to act in this world and how we're supposed to, uh, you know, be free, especially as we're in you. God, we love you. Bless our Bible study. Help it to encourage us, inspire us, challenge us, open our eyes. We pray that your spirit would guide us and, and, and touch our hearts today and, and, and make us move toward decisions, uh, that would lead to more spirituality and laying our lives down for others and, uh, helping others get to know you. God, we love you. Thank you for all the freedoms that we have, especially our freedom in you. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, why are we free in Christ? What is your why? You know, if you're a Christian today, what is your why? And I hope that our why is the cross of Christ. You know, the earliest symbol used by scribes when describing the cross or crucifixion is called astatos. And here's a slide here that for many of us, we are usually brought up with the understanding that the cross is is like a T, you know, like a cross shape, right? But in actuality, uh, the actual cross was T-shaped or a staros. Uh, this man, Larry Herda, though, uh, from the earliest Christian artifacts, manuscripts, and Christian origins uh, give a great illustration of what the cross actually looked like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, as we're thinking about our why as Christians, right? Like, why do we follow Jesus? Why do we lay our lives down for other people? Why do we live uh, principles that are difficult? In 1 Corinthians 1, 18, the Bible says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is our why. This is the scripture that I used on my on the day that I was baptized. And it's this idea of a man who died the most brutal, humiliating death for me. And and knowing that has always made me feel loved by God. You know, Marcus Tullius Cicero, which is who was a Roman statesman and a Roman lawyer and orator, one of one of the greatest orators of Roman history, said about crucifixion and about the cross that the cross is the most cruel and disgusting penalty. Julius Paulus, who was a Roman lawyer and jurist, listed crucifixion as the worst of all capital punishments ahead of death by burning, beheading, or wild beasts, by rip, being ripped apart by wild beasts. Flavius Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian who wrote Antiquities of the Jews, looked at crucifixion as the most wretched of deaths. You know, the cross was the reason 12 free Jewish men lived out Jesus' upside-down principles and changed the world that they lived in. They had such an impact in their day that 21st century minds have a hard time grasping how they were so effective at winning hearts over with so little technology, little resources, and little support. They defied the greatest empire in their day, the Roman Empire. These men took their faith in God seriously, and women took their faith in God seriously because of the of Jesus' death. You know, I want to show you a, a picture here of this man named Patrice Tamal. Does anybody know who this is? And Patrice Tamal is from the Dominican Republic. And in January of 1973, in order to draw attention to world peace, Patrice Tamal allowed himself to be crucified on national TV. He had three six-inch nails driven through his hands and feet, and he was taken down after a period amount of time uh, because of an infection in his foot. And you want to talk about being serious about the cross. And that was a picture in 1973 of a man who took his faith seriously and took Jesus seriously and wanted to make a statement for about world peace and how to have and go about bringing about world peace. Man, he was crucified in 1973. Talk about, he didn't die. He was taken down because of an infection. But talk about being serious about your faith. That was his why. 
You know, many people in the first century were crucified, and, and crucifixion was left for criminals, right? It was le- left for the worst of the worst. Uh, and it's not that Jesus was crucified that makes it unique. It's that he was crucified for you. That's what makes it unique. He was crucified for me. That's what makes this unique in our place. And that's what makes it all unique. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. He loved us. That love is a powerful motivator that gives disciples the strength to do the unthinkable. Have you ever heard of the 40 martyrs of Sebaste? Have you ever heard of the 40 martyrs of Sebaste? And one of the cool things about going back to school is you get to learn different things, you know. But the, here's a picture of the 40 martyr, martyrs of Sebaste. Uh, and these 40 martyrs, history knows them as the 40 martyrs of Sebaste. They were soldiers in the famed 12th Legion of the Ro- of Rome's Imperial Army. I mean, there were, there were 40 disciples in the midst of the, one of the most famous uh, legions in the Roman army. And 40 of those soldiers became disciples around 320 Common Era. One day, the captain informed his troops that Emperor Licinius had sent down an edict commanding all soldiers to offer a sacrifice to his pagan god. Forty of the soldiers, who were followers of Christ, refused. They said, you can have our armor and even our bodies, but our heart's allegiance belongs to Jesus Christ. The emperor decided to make an example of the soldiers. So in the middle of the winter, he marched them onto a frozen lake, stripped them of all their clothes and said to them, renounce your God and you will be spared from death. He told them, not one man came forward. So he left them there, huddled together to contemplate his offer. Throughout the night, the man, the men stayed together, singing their song of victory, 40 martyrs of Christ. When morning came, 39 of the men had frozen to death. The one survivor finally relented and crawled to safety, recanting his confession of faith in order to live. The officer in charge that night who was watching this whole ordeal happen had been so moved by the 39 that during his watch, he had come to faith in Jesus. And so he broke rank and walked out onto the ice. Stripping his clothes, he openly confessed his faith in Christ. The furious emperor demanded that he renounce Jesus, but he also refused. And when the ordeal was over... The Roman soldiers carried 40 frozen men off the ice. The 40 martyrs of Sebaste. Because we understand our why that Jesus died on the cross for us, we can understand why people stand and have the kind of convictions that is so honorable and admirable today. I, I pray that I can I have this kind of convictions and I pray that I can be honorable if this kind of situation ever comes to me. You know, but understanding your why gives us direction on how we are to live today, right? If we understand our why, it gives us not only encouragement and faith and hope, but it also gives us the motivation to understand 
God's direction for us and how we're supposed to live our lives today in the here and now and not just wait. And that's what I love about being a Christian. Our freedom in Christ should help us to live for Christ. Amen. We are free in Christ, not free from Christ. We are supposed to be disciples who are free in Christ, not free from Christ. And so I have a question. What are you doing with the freedom that you've been given from Jesus? What are you doing with the freedom that you've been given from Jesus? Too many of us use our freedoms that we have from being a Christian to sin and live worldly lives for self and pleasure. And it robs us of living a significant, meaningful life today. So what does that look like to live for Christ? What does it look like to live for Christ? One of the things is that the cross gave the early disciples courage. And I hope this will encourage us in our faith today of, of what does it look like to live free in Christ? Because we are free, but we can use our freedom for Christ or we can use our freedom for Satan. We can use our freedom for ourselves or we can use it for Christ and we can use it for others. And one of the encouraging things as we look throughout the book of Acts is that the cross gave disciples courage. In Acts chapter 4, in, in verse 1 through 4, it says, and this is the uh, the Passion Translation. And oftentimes in Scripture, uh, we read the passage out of one translation so often that we kind of lose the power of some of the words in it because we're so familiar with it. And so it's great to look at other translations. When I was in graduate school, my, my, our professor uh, loved to use the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, which is different than the version that I've used. I've always used NIV. So this is from the, the Passion Translation, and it, it, it helps us to kind of think about God differently and think about the Scriptures uh, from a different perspective and different translation. But as always, we're always wanting to look at uh, you know the, the translation closest to the, to, to the Hebrew and to the uh, Greek. But in Acts chapter 4, in verse 1 through 4, the Passion Translation says, The teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. They were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is a resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. They had them arrested, and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. There were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believe to nearly 5,000. You know, Peter and John were jailed for teaching and preaching about Jesus. And in Acts 4.13, Luke says, The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Wow. You and I don't need academic training to be courageous. Amen. All we need is Jesus. I'm not saying academic training is bad. I just went through two years of academic training, which has been profound. It's been very life-giving. I would do it again. Uh, you know, it, it was challenging, but I, but I love the academic training that I received. But when I look at the Bible, when we get down to the nitty gritty, right? 
when we look at the Bible, man, these men were ordinary men. These women were ordinary women. They had no religious training, no academic training, and they spent time with Jesus. And that's what made them so courageous because they understood the cross, that Jesus was courageous to go to the cross, but, but that also translated into their life that now they would be courageous as men and women living for Jesus. They used their freedom to be courageous to live for Jesus. You know, I have so much respect for the disciples in Metro LA. If you're a disciple anywhere, if you're tuning in from all over the world, from, from our family of brothers and sisters out in the San Francisco house church right now in San Francisco, welcome. Uh, man, I have so much respect for you. I have so much respect for disciples all over the world in Metro LA as well. Because you do have courage, you do love, you have sacrificed for years, you have used your freedom to live for Jesus. Many have held the line and continued to pursue Jesus in the midst of hardship. And let's face it, if you've been Christian for longer than a day, you realize that just because you're Christian, you don't get everything you want in the kingdom of God, right? You don't. It does, Jesus never promises that because I'm a disciple of Jesus, I get to have the best job in the world. He, he doesn't promise that. He doesn't promise because I'm a disciple of Jesus, I, I get to have the girl, or I get to have the relationship, or I'm going to get married. None of that's promise. What is promise is hardship. What is promise is trouble. But what also is promise is eternal life. It's, it's it, having a significant life that will make a difference. And, and that's difficult and a hard teaching to handle. But it is glorious, though. And I want to just in, take the time to just acknowledge. And, you know, for all, all of you who've been just in the battle for years, I know many of you are going through difficult times right now. I have. Over the last couple of five, six years for me have been so tumultuous, so much turmoil and stress and and distress, you know, and if you're in a situation like that right now where you're going through a difficult time, you know, you're going through tough times, you're going through a hardship right now where you're going, I don't even know why this is happening, God. Well, you don't have to know why because God will make it clear in the days and weeks and months and years to come when you look back at it and you go, that's the reason why that happened. You don't get to see it in the here and now, but later on you do. But as you're going through this, I just want to acknowledge and just say thank you for all your years of service as disciples. I'm always inspired by a disciple. You go, well, Reese, you don't know how I'm doing. I'm struggling right now. Awesome. Awesome that you're struggling. You know, my perspective of struggling has changed. When I was a young Christian, I thought struggling was bad. Like I thought struggling was like, this is terrible that that guy is struggling. I mean, who wants to be known as a struggler, right? Like, who wants to be known as, hey, that guy is just holding on. That guy is just, here's Reese, he is hanging on. Here's Reese, he's just, he's just barely making it right now. But over the years, man, after doing this for almost 30 years, to me, struggling is a great thing. It means you're alive. It means you're in the battle. Well, it may not mean that you're just alive, very vibrant. You are alive, but maybe not vibrant. But it means you are in the battle and you're fighting. And that's what's difficult about being a disciple today. And that's why we need courage and to understand our why. Because it is a fight. You are in a war against Satan. And you are going to get worn down and you are going to get tired. And there are going to things that happen in your life that you don't have no understand, don't understand why and have no power over it. There's, there's nothing like, you know, somebody... Hey, if people in the world treat us bad, we understand that. People in the church treat us bad, we don't understand that, right? 
I mean, that's just one thing that it happens because we're sinful people. You, you, there's going to be hardship in our life. There's going to be death. Many of you are going through tough times right now because some of the losses that you've had of loved ones. And as our church ages, that's going to happen more and more to us. And, and we must learn to have courage in the midst of those downtimes. And that's all the reason why we need friendships in our life so that we can, we can uh, weather those storms there. And, and I'm just grateful for all the friends that I have. And I don't want to name them all right here because I have a lot of friends and I'm very grateful for you in my life. But what's stopping you from teaching and preaching about Jesus? I want you to think about that for a minute. How has your 2020 gone, right? In the midst of the pandemic, did you stop teaching and preaching about Jesus? Because if you look at the New Testament disciples, they endured persecution, pandemics, all kinds of things. And yet they didn't stop. That's just an upward call for us. I, I, I get it, guys. I get that there's things we have to attend to. I'm not saying be just gung-ho, forget about your life, and all you're doing is preaching, teaching about Jesus, and you and you don't you don't make your payments so you have don't have electricity. You don't, I mean, I'm not saying that, right? I am saying though that in the midst of our chaotic and challenging year, have you stopped teaching and preaching about Jesus and just thinking about others in that? In Matthew chapter 16, in verse 21 to 27. Matthew records, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And notice in that passage, the word must. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Whoever hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Oh, there's another passage there that I don't even know why that's there. That shouldn't be there. Jesus could have done other things than die. Right. This is a passage where Jesus is talking, you know, talking with Peter and he could have done other things than die. He could have done more miracles like feed 10,000 instead of 5,000, heal more people, raise more people from the dead, walk on water in front of thousands, make more money, come out of fish, right? Like make more coins, come out of fish. But it says he must go to Jerusalem to die. Now I want you to think about that. How do you feel when somebody says, you know what? You must do this. How did you feel when your parents ever told you that before? Reese, you must clean up your room. I go, okay. You know, I'm rebellious by name. For me, I'm, I was a rebellious kid. I didn't just listen. You know, so somebody tell me I must do something. I usually walk away and go the other way direction. And yet what, what Matthew was talking about here is that he records Jesus. He goes, you know, he must go to Jerusalem to die. He chose what he must do because the must do outweighed the urgent. Like there's this, to God, there's this must do list. 
You know, like if you want to have a great marriage, there's a couple things you must do, right? To have a great marriage. You need to go on some dates. You must take your spouse on some dates. Husbands, right? You got to go on some dates, man. You got to talk. You got to listen. Those are just a couple pointers there. I'm still trying to, I've been married, you know, 26 years. I'm still trying to work all this out and, and do better at it. But there are things we must do to have a great marriage. If you want to have a great family, there are things you must do in order to have a great family. If you want to be a great co-worker, right, at your job and, and excel, there are things you must do. And Jesus did the same. There are things he had to do, he, he that he needed to do. And, and the must do outweighed the urgent. You know, Peter gets caught up in the moment, right? And tells Jesus, you don't have to do it, Jesus. And Jesus was, get behind me, Satan. Poor Peter, right? I mean, poor Peter. Jesus told him, you're so focused on the things of man and not on what must be done. You see, God has a must do list that we never really see until we become Christians. And he counts us on us to take small steps of faith to do what must be done. And so I want to close with a couple of these scriptures on God's must-do list. Does that make sense? There are many in the Bible, but I just want to show you four as we close out. And these passages on God's must-do list, you know, I want to just remind us that for many of us, you've been many of us have been doing it for years. You've been doing this for years. The challenge is to continue doing it, right? The challenge is to continue doing it. And so let's look at four things on God's must-do list. And its first one starts in Mark 9, in verse 33. As they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. One of the first things on God's must-do list is that we must learn to be last and to serve, right? To learn to serve, that the greatest in God's kingdom is the one who serves. Do you want to be great? Because if you want to be great, you can in God's kingdom. Jesus defines it just a little bit differently. And you can get all the accolades in the world and not get the, not get the attention of Jesus at all. And, and we may not win all these awards. We may not get the promotions. We may not get all these things that make people in the world go, ooh, and ah, what makes this, we look at this person and the, the different, the different, uh, accolades that they have and accomplishments that they have. And I'm not taking away from those things, but those things may not impress Jesus at all. In fact, the one who is last and serves is the one who gets Jesus' attention. And that's so important on God's must-do list is that we must learn to serve. The servants are the greatest in the kingdom. And I want to really encourage many of you who've been serving for years. If, if you're, if you've been serving for years, chances are you probably have, uh, compassion fatigue, you know, that you've been serving so long, you have nothing else left to give. I've been there many times in my ministry life. And the way to get it back isn't to just keep serving. It's to Take a step back for a minute and figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Take some time for some self-care and then get back in the battle again 
and serve again. And, and oftentimes we, we have, you know, compassion fatigue because we just forget why we're doing what we're doing. We're going so fast that we never stop to slow down, take care of ourselves spiritually and, and rejuvenate and, and, you know, get, get, get help so that we can constantly be giving. Amen. We must learn to be last and to serve. That's such a awesome thing. In Matthew 16, verse 24, the one we read, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. The second thing on God's must-do list is we must learn to deny ourselves. And we all understand this principle, right? Uh, you all, many of you go to have, have jobs and go to work. Do you love doing it every day? Some of us are thinking about that right now. Do I love doing that every day? He said the word love. Do I love? No. Right? But, but you go. Why? Because you understand the principle of denying self. And we take up our cross that it is going to be a struggle. I think sometimes as Christians, we're, we're just taken aback by how much struggling being a Christian actually is. Right? How much struggling happens when we're a Christian because we're trying to live like Christ. And, and it's tough to do. And we're in a battle and we must learn to deny ourselves. But we all know how to deny ourselves. The, the challenge is just continually getting the courage to continually do it. Amen. The third thing is we must preach the good news in Luke 4, verse 43. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. You see, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And that's one of the reasons why we just did a four-week study on the kingdom of God is because that's it's it's the thing that Jesus spoke most about in the gospels is about proclaiming the good news the gospel but the gospel wasn't just only about salvation it was about the announcement you know he was a herald announcing the good news of the kingdom of god and what all that entails god's reign and god's rule on this earth right now and so we must learn to preach the good news the last thing is we must learn to John thirteen thirty four. You know this passage. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. When it's convenient, right? No, it doesn't say that. It, we must love one another. And this is the fourth thing on God's must-do list. Is we must learn to love one another. And, and we love one another, guys, when people hurt us, they challenge us, they, you know, things get strained in our relationships, and we learn to love one another through that. There are so many more things in the Bible that is on God's must-do list, you know, speak truthfully, right? Remain in the, we must remain, we must speak truthfully to one another. We must remain in the vine. We must suffer. Can I get an amen on that one? Must suffer. I don't hear too many amens right now. There's only Turnwall and me in the room right here, and he didn't say amen, and I didn't say amen, so amen. There you go. But suffering, so, but we must suffer. The Bible has the word must 786 times in it. I mean, it is a, this is something that we, it should open our eyes to go, wow, God gives us direction and a certain way to live, and we should use our freedom to live this way because it brings Him glory, gives you and I the most significant, meaningful life that we possibly can have, and it changes not only lives around us, but the world in which we live in. If you're lacking courage to live the must-do list, the issue isn't your shortcomings. The issue is you need to spend more time with Jesus. What made the first century disciples so special is the fact that they were ordinary people 
who spent time with Jesus and learned to do what must be done, live this way. It wasn't their education, their intellect, their technology. We have more. They used their freedom in Christ to live for Christ. And in turn, God used them to change the world. It happened over 2,000 years ago, and it will happen again today. So what did we learn today? Our lesson was about being free in Christ. What was their why? Was their cross. They were free in Christ. They followed Jesus and lived according to his principles. Why? Because it was the cross. It was this idea that Jesus died for them. It's that idea that Jesus died for people who don't deserve it. And the cross gave them courage to do God's must-do list. Well, today we looked at four of the thing, uh, uh, things on the must-do list. Must be last and serve. Must deny self. Must preach the good news. And must love one another. There are many more must-dos in the Bible. If we're lacking courage, remember, spend time with Jesus. Because it's in spending time with Jesus. You don't need religious training. You don't need specialty training. We need to spend time with Jesus. It's great to have specialty training. It's great to have religious training, academic training. We, we, we're all for that. But remember, don't, don't get away from the fact that getting in your Bible is the thing that gives you the most courage. And perhaps God will use us too to change the world in the 21st century. Happy 4th of July. I hope you've had a great day of worship today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.